Well, hi there, and welcome to a brand new episode of Show Me the Crypto. This week, we chat with Lucas Campbell of Bankless. He's head of Web3 Strategy at Bankless. But this episode is all about podcast NFTs. Alf, what were your thoughts on this episode? Well, given the fact we run a podcast, it's pretty awesome to have someone on who we can talk all about podcast NFTs, especially since we just launched our first 100 podcast NFT collection. So go check that out. But for real, to get to 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 interview someone like Lucas, who's so in this scene and understands this space, he he knows the ins and outs of content and his mission is to tokenize all content. So to ask him all these questions that I think will help other podcast hosts as well as help collect potential collectors understand why they would want to own a podcast nft was just so enlightening and it was an awesome episode it's so interesting i mean you think about as Alf just said why why on earth would i want to own a podcast why as a podcast host would i want to launch an nft collection but it's really thinking about the future of content and how these creators can build their shows without necessarily relying on advertisers the traditional way, but also a cool opportunity for collectors in terms of getting access and things that previously were unattainable. This is such an interesting episode. Lucas has a lot of experience. He was involved with the ENS airdrop a few years ago, which is like one of the biggest airdrops. And the guy knows his stuff. This is the guy to talk about at podcast NFTs with. We hope you'll enjoy this episode. Show me the crypto. <laughs> Show me the crypto. <laughs> Show me the crypto. In a world on the brink of disruption, two men will bring you clarity by interviewing some of the most intelligent and influential names in the blockchain world. Welcome to Show Me the Crypto with your hosts, Wade Patterson and Ulf Lonegren. Well, hi there and welcome to Show Me the Crypto. My name is Wade Patterson. And I'm Ulf Lonegren. We're a couple of friends from Canada who love learning about cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, and we're happy you're along for the ride. Whether you're a crypto virgin or you know your way around the block, we hope our interviews with some of the most intelligent and influential people in the blockchain space help deliver you with value. And on this episode, we're joined by Lucas Campbell, head of Web3 Strategy at Bankless. Lucas has been in and out of the crypto scene since high school, but he fell deep down the rabbit hole in 2017 during his junior year at the University of Colorado Boulder. It was around that time he met friend of the podcast, Cooper Turley, and the pair worked together on several initiatives, including a blog called DeFi Rate and a newsletter called Token Tuesdays. Beyond his current role at Bankless, Lucas is an advocate of content collectibles in the form of NFTs. Lucas, welcome to Show Me the Crypto. Thank you guys so much for uh, for having me. Still yeah, to be here. we're excited to have you on as well. This is a topic we've wanted to chat about for a while, the idea of podcast NFTs. And we're going to dive deep into that because as we know, you are the guy to talk about it. But before we get there, while doing research for the show, one thing became pretty evident to me. And that is, aside from all the things you do, a 
probably perfect title to describe it is an educator. So going back to that blog, to those Token Tuesdays newsletters, all the things you were involved with. And then even for us, when we started to go down the path of how to launch a podcast NFT, multiple people were like, you need to talk to Lucas. Lucas will show you how to do this. So just in terms of the education piece, why is that something that you dedicate time doing? And why is that something that's important to you? Yeah, I think this this mission of getting crypto adopted is only possible with education, right? Um, people need to know how to do self custody, or else you know the experience of bank run and their their accounts are frozen and all of this stuff. So education is like the the backbone of this industry and really important for onboarding the world into Web three and getting them familiar with this stuff. So um, I think everyone in the space that's in this space is an educator to some degree and are helping onboard either their friends, families, maybe even broader audiences um, to crypto and getting them up to date of what this technology can do and how it can change lives. And Wade mentioned in the bio, but you know, you've been an early adopter of crypto and not just like an early adopter, but your involvement in the space. So can you, for our audience, tell us a little bit about what some of those things were that you were involved in those early projects. There was some stuff you worked on with Cooper. There was an ENS airdrop and your current role at Bankless. Would love to hear in a little more detail some of the backstory of the, those projects and uh, things you've been involved with. Yeah, absolutely. And that was a, a phenomenal intro, very detailed. Um, so thank <laughs> you guys for doing the research. Um, but yeah, uh, back in 2017, 2018, I started working with my good friend, Cooper Turley, who's also a friend of the podcast. Um, and we were really just uh, graduated college and hungry to get involved and really wanted to do whatever we could to just get our foot in the door and get, you know, make an impact on this industry. And we really found our niche there uh, was writing and like educating people. Um, so we helped start a, a blog called DeFi Rate, and this was covering DeFi in 2019, 2020, when the Uniswaps, the Makers, Synthetics were all just kind of getting their legs. Um, so we helped educate a lot of people on that. And like, we're researching protocols as they release, you know, every week during DeFi summer, or, you know, up leading to that, there was like a new project or a new DeFi protocol, whether it was like the balancers that had a different take on AMMs or um, MakerDAO releasing multi-collateral DAI, like all these different things were just happening every week and week in and week out. And we wanted to help educate those people. Um, and then on top of that, we were doing like a Token Tuesday thing, um, which we analyzed like DeFi tokens um, every Tuesday. And little to my knowledge, Ryan Sean Adams is actually following along pretty closely to that was really um, a big fan of of what we were writing and reached out to me a few months later um, and asked if I wanted to contribute to Bankless, wrote a couple articles for them. And uh, they did really well. Ryan was pretty impressed and brought me on board as employee number one back in June 2020. Um, so helped work with Ryan and David uh, to scale that media company to the audience and, and the impact that it has today. Um, and yeah, with that, I was kind of responsible for the newsletter. So um, was pretty much responsible for creating creating the content schedule and coming up with things. What did people need to learn? What What is hot? What do people care about right now? And figuring out um, that content schedule was super important and just working with these writers, reading them, reading all the articles, editing them. Um, you really just got to be in the weeds of this stuff and really um, dig deep into um, these different nuances behind the technology. Um, and then from there, you know, uh, was running the newsletter for about two and a half years. And about a year ago, um, came to Ryan and David and I was like, guys, 
there's an elephant in the room. Um, Bankless is a Web2 media company talking about Web3, and we can actually use this technology to create new business models for media that are beyond a Substack paid membership or sponsorships. And we can really explore this, and we are in the perfect position to do this, and we should do it. Um, and it took a little bit of convincing, um, but we got around to it. We ended up uh, just shipping a brand new website. So this is kind of the foundation for us to build a Web3 Bankless. Um, and we also kind of launched this podcast collectibles, which we'll probably start talking a little bit about more. Um, but content NFTs represent a net new monetization model for creators to monetize their work directly and a new engagement model for their audiences. So rather than just sitting here and listening to this podcast and maybe liking the episode or maybe even commenting on the YouTube channel, I can now collect this episode. So that is a new engagement model for the people that are listening to this episode um, to engage with this content that the, you guys are creating and that you guys are putting your work behind and time and effort um, and all that stuff. Um, and I'll pause there because I've been on a little bit of a monologue, but that is kind of where we're at today. Yeah, so excited to dive deeper into so many of those themes that you just brought up. One question, just like kind of a random high level question here. But I mean, obviously, this is something that that you're passionate about this idea of content collectibles in the form of NFTs. But throwing it back to your younger years, was there like the idea of collecting something? Was that something that you had any interest in at all? Like, did you collect anything growing up? And if so, what and why? Yeah, I think it was pretty standard to collect, you know, the Pokemon cards, the Yu-Gi-Oh cards, etc. Um, but I think honestly, it, it took me as a surprise and it was more of just a right time, right place for me. Um, I was definitely grew up with a more like finance minded. I did economics at CU Boulder was kind of like trading stocks and like just into crypto and into this like financial asset um, type deal. Um, and then, yeah, I found my niche and like writing and like the media side of things, which is not something I expected. I never expected to be a writer or anything along those lines. Um, and yeah, that just kind of evolved. And that's just where the industry, at least, I think, found a lot of where I was providing value. Um, and yeah, I think at the end of the day, I was just like obsessed with the tokenization of everything. Um, so we kind of touched on it in my intro, but I also do uh, FireEyes, which is a small um, group of crypto natives that work with protocol teams on launching their governance tokens. Um, so we've helped with a bunch of different token launches, whether it's super rare, Gitcoin, uh, ENS recently, Optimism, Collab Land, handful of others. Um, and I think that is really the through line for me is the tokenization of everything. If it can be tokenized, it will be. And content is no different. And I think we really saw that kind of unfold when JPEGs hit the scene in 2017, 2018. People were like, this is dumb. This, but what is this? Like, what are PFPs? It's content. Um, and how that content evolves and the different forms that that content comes in can all be tokenized and sold and collected um, from different people. And we'll all have value to different people um, based on, you know, the different factors. Well, and that goes right into my next question perfectly, because I think it's it's an interesting concept to tokenize everything when you pull it back to the question of why you know you, you bring the why in and i think for a lot of people it's very hard to wrap their heads around and i'll be honest i'm one of those people who um wade and i when we first started talking about podcast nfts i was really trying to wrap my head around the why and not not there's why from two angles, right? It's why as the creator would I do this? And then there's also why if you're trying to put your 
you know, put yourself in the shoes of the potential collector. Why would someone want to collect this content? And I think with art, I mean, it's probably why with JPEGs, that was like the first thing because it's, it's kind of like you see it, it's right there. It's a, it's a picture. And I think it's, mm-hmm. even though that is, was still hard for a lot of people to grasp, it was maybe the easiest, but when we start getting into other areas of content and other types of media, um, you know, maybe you can dive into what that why is. And, and just to extend that a bit, maybe some of the counter argument, you know, it'd be great to hear like, what what do you think the pushback is that people are thinking on the on the other end of like, the, the why not? Like, why is it a bad idea, at least in the minds of people initially, whether that will change or not in the future? Yeah, so I think why creators should do this um right now uh web2 media relies on sponsorships and selling advertisements to your community or your audience and no one likes that um from the creator standpoint you become beholden to the sponsor um so you have a contract that you have to fulfill you're on the content treadmill if you say hey give me 10k a month for the next three months and i'll produce a podcast episode every week and you guys will be the sponsor you have to do that um and you are beholden to them um and sometimes those brands are not the best brands. Um, so, you know, for example, Bankless was in a had a Nexo sponsorship and they were amid their collapse. And guess what? We're under contract and we kind of have to fulfill that contract. And we have to, you know, uh, run those Nexo ads, even though that we know that it's not um, necessarily the best product right now or like they were going through their hard times. Um, so sponsorships from the creator level are is not great. Um, it's can be lucrative 100 percent but it's not like the most optimal. And for the audience, I mean, I don't know how many times I actually sit and listen to the ads and be like, that was fantastic. I love that <laughs> ad. Um, no one likes them. Um, so these advertisements only came about because this is like the main monetization model and the main monetization avenue for these creators. Um, but with podcast NFTs or content NFTs as a whole, you can actually just monetize the work directly to anyone in the world. Um, so that digital nature of content NFTs allows you to distribute that content to anyone anywhere in the world, similar to the internet. But now you can sell that digital collectible to anyone in the world uh, with an internet connection. And being able to monetize that work directly allows you to focus directly on creating the work and not fulfilling your sponsor obligations. And that is a really important nuance in how creators can approach this stuff. Um, for the collectors, um, it's really interesting because at Bankless, okay, we have 10,000 paid Substack premium members. Um, we actually don't know. They're all fungible, right? They're all, they're just a premium member. They pay their, they give us our credit card, they pay them monthly fee, and we don't actually know who the biggest fan is. Um, but with podcast NFTs and content NFTs, when you release these, you can build this granular on-chain list of your biggest super fans. Who is the person that's collected the most podcast NFTs? Um, that is very clear. Um, when we go to who's like our biggest Substack premium subscriber, that is really hard to uh, to find out and and to dissect. Um, so this ability to create a granular list of your biggest super fans um, is really powerful. And how creators can utilize and leverage that list to provide those people with different perks um, is really interesting and something that is entirely crypto native. Um, and you can kind of do this on Patreon, but the one thing for collectors is you're just paying that one-way street on Patreon. You're just paying that creator 20, 20 bucks a month. You kind of get your benefits. Um, with content NFTs, you actually get to own the work directly. 
and write. So you get to own this authentic original of the work that your favorite creator is making and putting in hours and hours of time, right? I think at the end of the day, the tokenization of everything is like the tokenization of work. When you mine Bitcoin, you are putting in work into the network. When we were recording this podcast, you're putting in work in time and you are able to tokenize that work in time into a vehicle um, on the blockchain. And that is really the power of this, right? Um, I'll pause there because I'm just going on a tangent, but yeah. Well, just to follow up there on on Alf's question, kind of the the other side of it, like the counter argument, it's always a mm. tough thing to do. But like, do you have any thoughts there of like, if podcast NFTs are not to work, why won't they work? And if you had to take that side? Uh, why won't they work? Because um, people can just listen to the podcast for free, and you, they don't need to pay for it. And I think that is totally okay. I think for the majority of the people, um, they can just be free members and that's totally fine. And that is kind of honestly how we see our web two media kind of list or Venn diagram uh, breakdown. It's like we have over a quarter million subscribers, almost I think 300,000 free subscribers, about 5% of them are paid. So really you're like with these content NFTs is that you were trying to monetize that 1%, that 5% of people that just want to support the hell out of you. And that is the the the, the medium of this. Um, so in terms of like how this fails, it's like people just don't care and don't want to support their creators. Um, but from my perspective, at least what I'm seeing in normal media and content creation is that every content creator just has like this subset of super fans that just are diehard and want to support them and will do whatever. Um, and I think podcast NFTs or content NFTs are a medium to achieve that um, for these supporters and where they get to own that work directly. And they kind of get that upside in the work. And they also kind of get to be able to build a better relationship with the creator because they know if I'm the top, uh, show me the crypto collector. Um, you guys know who I am. OXLucas.eth is your biggest collector and you guys can reach out to me and you guys can put me in a telegram group and you guys can build this relationship with that collector, with that super fan. And that kind of creates this positive feedback loop of, I just want to collect more and I want to support the show me the crypto guys because they're awesome. And they're taking the time to, to talk to me and build that relationship. And I feel like we're on a friendly level. And I really kind of realized this when I got into the music NFT stuff and every single artist that I've collected, I have like a direct line of communication to. And they like, they come out and visit me in Sun Valley, they'll play shows, all this sorts of stuff. Um, and it's super fun. And it's a, really just a net new way to build these relationships with the people that create the content that you love, whether it's music, art, uh, podcasts, articles, anything. It's still early stages. You know, this is so uh, this is so new, I think, to a lot of podcast hosts, to a lot of creators as a potential monetization model, as as a potential just offering for their followers. And do you think that um, there's a right mix or a right approach right now? Or do you think it's like just get in, experiment and uh you know, see how, see what works and what doesn't for you and your audience. hundred percent. I think we're so early into this game right now that it's hard to lock in on a direct answer. So I think my perspective is these creators, every creator should just experiment with this stuff, see what works, see what doesn't. I think one interesting area is like gamifying the collecting experience. Um, so one thing that like Cooper might do. Um, so Cooper is actually going to be releasing his podcast, invest in music as NFTs. Um, I think that's actually going to come out tomorrow. Um, but the winner of the golden egg. So if you guys are familiar with sound, um, you launch, uh, an addition 
Um, and once that addition is fully minted out, uh, let's say you do 100, uh, one of the additions is revealed as a golden egg. So it's a special one of one um, kind of addition within that collection. And it gives it a special feel. Um, and it's kind of just a gamified collecting mechanism. Um, so one thing that Cooper wants to do is he wants to distribute a music NFT to whoever wins the golden egg. So he's kind of gamifying that collecting experience a little bit where the collectors are all want to mint and they want to win that golden egg because maybe they'll get that Daniel Allen NFT, right? Cooper's going to have a bunch of these music NFT artists on the podcast. So, uh, you know, if Daniel Allen's on the podcast, distributing a Daniel Allen NFT to the person that wins the golden egg is a really interesting carrot and cap, mm. uh, carrot for these collectors to engage in this content in a new way. Um, so giving them these exogenous rewards, I think is one interesting avenue and like kind of giving them an incentive to collect at the end of the day. Um, this is kind of a gamified thing um, where you can take it how you want. So uh, I think the gamification of the collecting experience is really where this scales from zero to one to one to 100. Uh, what do you think the percentage breakdown is in terms of, and obviously this is going to differ for each creator, but in terms of who these collectors are. So, I mean, obviously in the last bull run, we saw a lot of more like speculation sometimes than maybe true fans of, of the art or the artist, depending like what the medium was. Um, now we're in a bear market. And so it's kind of like, it seems like the true believers are the ones who have stuck around. But do you think that there's still a big speculation piece that's surrounding, you know, music NFTs, podcast NFTs, or, you know, kind of how do you see that breakdown currently? Yeah, I think the speculation is kind of just a natural byproduct of crypto and having these assets be freely tradable to anyone in the world with an internet connection. Um, but I think right now, a lot of the people that are collecting really just want to support the creators and it's really organic right now. And, you know, they're open to this new medium of content creation and content monetization, and they're happy to support that. Um, whether they're speculating on the future value of it, I think naturally just happens in crypto because these assets do trade on a secondary market. Um, but I don't think that there is an expectation by any means um, to flip these things. And I think at the end of the day, people are just down to experiment with these new monetization models, these new creation creator economy models. Um, and that is really the important part. And I think that's where a lot of the collector base is today. Now, by the time this episode airs, Wade and I's first 100 NFT collection will be live. So go check it out. But um, in going through this process of creating our first podcast NFT, and thank you, Lucas, for all the help you provided us. Couldn't have done it without you, legitimately. <laughs> um, you, one thing you emphasize to us is the artwork and having good artwork to go along with our NFT drop, which is sound probably sounds standard if all we were releasing is like, you know, a JPEG NFT. But since what we're doing, the, the very nature of a podcast is, you know, primarily audio or in our case, you know, we release on YouTube. And so we've got the video component too. But like having some cover art to go along with it was new to us. That's not something that we just put out with every episode. So um, my my question here is, you know, why why was that an important component? And is that something that other podcast hosts or who are or just content creators who are looking to tokenize their content should uh, be learning and focusing on as well for their NFT drops? That's a phenomenal question. It's something that we kind of realized 
um, when we were going down the bankless rabbit hole of these podcast NFTs, um, in normal web two, and when we're optimizing for these thumbnails, we're optimizing for clicks. You wanted to make it very clickable. Um, and that is like where the majority of thumbnails are today. But in web three thumbnails, um, when you're doing these content NFTs, you want that artwork or that thumbnail to be not clickable, but collectible. So you want it to feel really nice in the wallet. You want it to look cool. You want that person to feel good when they, when they see it in their wallet, you want to be able to show it off. Um, and that is really important nuance between web two thumbnails and web three is one is optimized for clicks. The other one is optimized for collects and making that artwork really collectible. And that thumbnail really collectible, um, is something that is entirely web three native. Um, and is a kind of just a new optimization, uh, with how to approach this content creation. So Lucas, as Alf mentioned there, uh, we, Yes, we're, we've launched this. So it would have been last Thursday. This episode is being released on Monday, the 20th. And so for those people who don't know, it was a collection. We're calling it the first 100. It's 200 podcast NFTs that represent our first 100 episodes. So the, the first 100 of those were dedicated or reserved for guests of the show. And then the second 100 were the the podcasts that were available for general men. Hopefully they're all gone by the time you're listening to this, but who knows where it's at. But just in general with that concept, and, and you've been kind of close with us on how we're working on that, is this kind of like, I don't want to call it tiered approach, but kind of, right? The first 100 is like the OG supporters. And in the future, we're looking to possibly mint out every episode as a short open edition. If it sells one, cool. If it sells 20, cool. It's just what it is for that time span. So with that strategy in mind, just getting your feedback, like, does that sound like something that that is a good game plan or like, maybe a bigger question, so I'm not putting you on the spot, is just like, what do you see as the smart game plan for people who have a podcast who want to launch an NFT project? Yeah, I think that is a really solid game plan. And if I were you guys, I would use like the first 100 NFT as like the allow list for a pre-sale. So if you wanted early access and maybe a slight discount to all those open editions and all future episodes, you just jam pack that all into the first 100 uh, NFTs. So that is like maybe the the strategy that I would implore. Um, and with that, I think the the strategy, like you can just launch content NFTs and you might have some collectors collect it just because the content is really good. But I think what we were talking about earlier, when you're gamifying these experiences, really powerful. Um, so like one idea here is like at Bankless, um, if we launch, like, let's say we have an NFT that represents a lifetime membership at Bankless HQ, um, that is pretty valuable. Um, and maybe we'll distribute that to the top 100 collectors of the year. Um, so they're all playing that same game and they're all trying to get into that top 100 because they all want that lifetime membership and they're all kind of competing for that exogenous reward. And uh, that gamified collecting experience is really powerful. And I think that's how you kind of scale this up um, just beyond the casual person that really loves you guys and wants to support you to actually making a community of like, no, I need like 20 of these like today. And like, I need, I need them. And that kind of creates a powerful feedback loop for you guys to monetize more and also create a more engaged community. So one thing I'm curious about bringing this back to your, uh, when we'd asked the question about, you know, why education is important. You said that that's one of the primary ways we're going to onboard users into this space is by providing good education and bringing that conversation around onboarding back to what we're talking about here with 
content collectibles, um, the tokenization of content. Do you think that this is also perhaps another avenue where uh, maybe your everyday you know, follower, subscriber of a channel in any sort of media or content form, if those hosts or, you know, the creators of that content start offering their content as NFTs, does that now onboard potentially new users who otherwise wouldn't have gotten into the space? 100%. So like, if we talk, circle back to the gamified mechanism real quick, Mr. Beast starts launching content NFTs and the top 100 collectors of his content NFTs for the year all get on the a video. Um, every single Mr. Beast fan is going to figure out how to get a MetaMask, how to connect their wallet. They're just going to do it because there is an incentive to do it. And they love Mr. Beast so much that they want to be part of that experience. Um, and that is like that is so, so powerful um, when these collectors or, the, or these creators, excuse me create these mechanisms that it's like, why am I not doing this? I have to be doing this. And like that will convert people naturally. Like there's so much resources out there that people can self-learn and self-teach themselves on how to get involved in crypto. I think like a lot of people did. Um, and yeah, so I think like these content creators uh, encouraging their audiences to go and collect their content and creating reasons to collect that content will drive a lot of adoption. Mr. Beast is one of the biggest subscribers of, or like biggest YouTubers in the world. And he has like a hundred million subscribers. I don't know what the numbers are. So, um, if he converts 1% of that 1 million people like that has a meaningful effect on the crypto industry. And a lot of new people that are kind of download that Coinbase account, fund their MetaMask, connect their wallet and collect that content, that flow massive. And like, if there's an incentive to do it, they'll figure it out because we've done a good job as an industry to at least place like those building blocks there that people can, or those stepping stones that people can figure that out pretty easily. Um, But it just requires that like incentive to do so Um, in the same way that it took me, you know, a little bit of time to go register that ENS domain in May, 2017. um, Like there was a reason to do that. And that's why, you know, I got off Coinbase and downloaded the MetaMask and funded my wallet and all that stuff Um, is when there's an incentive to do so people will do it. Lucas, uh, before we jump into kind of the last section of this interview, I'm just curious, you know, we've talked about the fact that you were the one who who drove and pushed Bankless to experiment with the podcast NFTs. Can you kind of talk about like some numbers, like how have those done specifically in terms of of sales and and just like, I, I know initially, I think Ryan and David had a little bit of pushback, not pushback, but like maybe hesitancy on like going on with the idea. And then once they embraced it, like what has their reaction been to the success of them? They've been so stoked on it. Um, they definitely were skeptical and they were like, I don't know, like podcast energy. You know? <laughs> um, and I was kind of on that same same board. I was like, I don't know, like how these are going to do, but it's worth experimenting. Um, and we launched that with the Genesis collection. So this was back in November 2022, about a couple of months ago. Um, we released five episodes from the Bankless Archives that the community loved. Um, so there was five of those. And I think in total, we released five episodes over five weeks, one a week. Um, and it took us less than 10 Ethereum blocks to sell out all of them over those five weeks wow. in total. Um, and that when that happened, we were like, okay, all right, maybe there's something here. Maybe we should uh, dig into this a little bit more. So we kind of doubled down on that. And now we're tokenizing every single Monday podcast that we released. The flagship Bankless podcast is collectible every week. Um, one of 100 episodes or uh, 100 editions um, for every episode. And yeah, they've been uh, doing really well. I think some numbers, let me see if I can pull some up for you guys. Um, 
Yeah, I think in terms of secondary volume, we've seen over 140 ETH uh, in secondary volume over the past uh, like three, four months. So that's almost like, I think that's like 200 grand right now um, in secondary volume, just secondary activity, not including like primary mint volume. Um, so the community's loving it. And like, it's not even like that extensive. Like I think the total address list of collectors is about 300, 400 people out of the 300,000 bankless like free subscribers wow. that like tune in you can build an economy off those 300, 400 people. And like that is the thesis of legions, uh, the ownership economy and a hundred true fans is that a content creator only needs a hundred people and that, and they can sustain a living off of that. And we're seeing that in real time with bankless podcast NFTs, where we have a hundred thousand plus subscribers. Um, but we only need two, 300 of them to like make this meaningful and make this worth it for us. Um, and that is really powerful. So cool. Well, Lucas, what you're doing is, is awesome. I mean, as Alf mentioned, we really appreciate all the assistance you've given us through this process. Um, we would have been very lost without your guidance, so we appreciate it. One of the things we like to do on Show Me the Crypto at the end of every episode is ask every guest the same set of questions. It's a segment we call You Had Me at Crypto. Alf's going to ask you those three questions. All right, Lucas. You ready? All right. <laughs> First question, who's your favorite person to follow in the crypto space? Ooh, that's a good one. I'm going to give it to my good friend Koopa Troopa on Twitter. Um, he's probably the most positive person ever. And uh, I think that having that positive influence and that positive um, just, yeah, it's super nice to have. And he's always like there for you. Um, and yeah, if you need some positive motivation, some good motivation in the morning, just follow Koopa Troopa on Twitter and uh, there'll be something every day. Love it. Second question, what will the price of Bitcoin be 10 years from now? Um, over t- 10 years from now, over a mil would be my guess. Nice. That's, uh, that's Pick one of the, the, the bolder. No, I love it. Cause like during the bull market, everyone, like everyone. The, the most common answer was a million or higher. And in the bear market, they've been lower answers. People yeah. are like oh, hundred yeah. grand, 200 grand. So it's nice to hear over a million again. From now, like hundred Yeah. I would, I would be surprised if we're still in a six figure range from 10 years. Nice. Nice. All right. Third question. What is the most underrated project in the crypto space? Fantastic question. Um, probably the project that I'm working on that's in stealth right now that is uh, powering <laughs> the podcast NFTs. Um, <laughs> no, I think um, you guys have been doing really good. I think who else? That's a really tough question. Um, there's a lot of projects in this space and everyone's kind of working hard, especially right now. I think like everyone is heads down building and everyone's underrated. So this whole industry, I think as a whole, is just underrated right now. And, uh, people are sleeping on it. And as we've seen time and time again, uh, crypto will come back roaring, ripping, and, uh, people will not be sleeping on it for in a couple of years again. Love it. Well, Lucas, thank you so much for joining Alf and I on this episode of show me the crypto. Thank you guys so much for having me. This is awesome. Thank you for listening to Show Me The Crypto. Please make sure to subscribe as well as rate and review this podcast.